We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 349. I survived the blackout. You do? You're alive. It worked. I survived it. I hope everyone out there was safe during the blackout. Uh, I don't even know if I lost power. I wasn't here. But. I was going to say, you didn't even go back into the city, did you? You stayed in Jersey. Yep, stayed in Jersey. Was not about to risk that. I mean, that's a smart move, honestly. If, 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 if I realized that you know the, the area that I lived was potentially... 
you know, interrupted by that. I, yeah, there's no way I would have chanced it if I had a air conditioned bed to sleep in right where I was. Did you see that it was the anniversary to the day of the 77 massive New York City wide blackout or Manhattan wide blackout? I uh, did not see that. Yeah. It's kind there's of actually a, um, you know, you go down like a weird like Netflix rabbit hole or something. Yeah. I watched a documentary about that 1977 New York City blackout uh, a couple of years ago. It was actually pretty interesting because there was like a lot of tie in. There was like a tie in with um, sports, looting, politics. Like a bunch of different things, like all interweaved into that one blackout. So this. I one mean, if was, you if you think about the movies and like any kind of a blackout happens, like looting is the thing you go to. Right? Oh yeah, you, you go and you loot the town. Yeah, right. That's, and in that's this New York City in the seventies was like, yeah. you're you're gonna get looted. <laughs> it's a great name. It's a great word to use. The 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 fact that people, like that that was a thing. Like oh, the power's out. Let's go. Loot the, loot the convenience store and take yeah. as many razors and just complete things that we will, you know, will probably not use. Mm-hmm. But just we're, we're, we're going to go because, we, because, because everybody, no, it's not even so much that you just can't, it's that everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to, it's that whole mob mentality where they're not going to arrest all of us. <laughs> right, right. I don't think there was any looting last night. I think it was pretty calm, mainly on the, the upper west side of Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> not going to be a lot of looting going on. Uh, but... Yeah, seriously, I hope everyone out there was safe. Yankees didn't affect the Yankees, so that that's good news. It affected a it affected a Rod and a J Lo concert. Yeah, a J Lo concert. Yep. She was yep. very distraught, very very uh, concerned and upset for her fans. I'm sure there's some Yankees that live on the Upper West Side and lost power. I mean, we just didn't, haven't heard about it. Yeah, I'm sure they were fine. I'm sure they but, were just uh, fine. It was a it was a good weekend series win. It's always weird coming back after the All Star break. The team. I thought you and I both agreed the team needed a, a break when the All-Star break came. It, it seemed like after London, they were just running on fumes. So other teams, though, if you go into the break super hot, then you, then you can kind of – it can negatively affect you. But I don't think with the Yankees uh, – I think the break came at a good time. They got the two out of three win against the Blue Jays this weekend because it would have would have sucked to lose um, – Two out of three. Yeah, yeah. You had to win this game. I know it's like, oh, they're in first place. They're, they've got a six-game lead on Tampa, a nine-and-a-half-game lead on Boston, who's playing the Dodgers tonight. Like, How can you say they had to win tonight? Well, you don't want to come out after the All-Star break and lose two out of three to a crappy, uh, crappy Toronto team. It's just a, it's a tone setter, really, just to get going. It's, it's something in the immediate. But, no, it's nice to do it. And, and I think that you know more than any other team, you know the Red Sox probably included too, but they uh, they needed this just because it was so weird with the whole London thing and the fact that you know I think it really even if the London thing didn't happen, the fact that this team has been struggling so badly with injuries and they're getting guys back like days off at this point are not a bad thing for the this Yankees team. So uh, I think I think it, it helped them. You could definitely see that the bats were you know quiet Lethargic. in the beginning and uh, just, just not there yet. But that's no really home totally... runs Friday, no home runs Saturday. Like that, they went on that thirty something game streak of home runs, and then to go two without a home run seems like a long time. Yeah, I mean, you know, law of averages, baby. That's baseball, Susan. You got to come back down to earth. And of but course, it, it seems as... like bats cool off after you have some time. It makes a lot of sense. Of course, everyone predicted Mike Talkman would get the home run on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, didn't was that his fifth of the season? Whatever it was, he couldn't. He couldn't I put have down a, a I have sack a bet. bunt. I have a bet about that one with uh, my nemesis Carl in our Facebook group. You have a Talkman bet too. Uh, he made a Talkman bet. I just agreed to it. He said Talkman would hit ten home runs. Oh, I that's said, not no. happening. I said no. He will not. <laughs> I don't see Talkman here in two weeks, so I don't think that's happening. I'm not saying anything. I, you know, I've got bad luck with uh, with with these bets. So I'm just I'm just hoping it goes well. 
We are less. So today, as you and I are talking, it's the last day to buy tickets. So as you guys are listening, too bad. You missed the cutoff to buy tickets to July 20th. If you did not buy tickets, you can still buy them to the August 31st event, which is the last one of the regular season. But for those coming to the July 20th against Colorado event, um, looking forward to it. Every, every event, I feel like you and I say, oh, that was the best one yet. And then the next one tops it. Just They've been so much fun this year. And uh, I'm looking forward to this one. We've got an awesome t-shirt planned around DJ LeMahieu. That is still going to be a surprise. Shirts are going to be sent out in the mail. They'll be already out. They're in the wind. They're in the wind. They're arriving this week. Tickets. The Yankees transfer us tickets usually on Wednesday for a, a Saturday game. And then Scott and I go through and transfer all the tickets over. You'll be receiving your ticket sometime Wednesday night, Thursday um, don't worry, you will get it. We get we get the questions every we time. Get panic, I, we get panic emails. I understand it. You buy something online from sure. uh, a website. Maybe you, you just listen to a podcast, or maybe you don't even listen to a podcast. You just saw an Instagram post or something, and, and you buy you buy it. And so people get worried. I understand it, but we always deliver the tickets. Worry not. I have never left a. I will never <laughs> left, leave a fan behind. Everybody right. will get their ticket. So as of now, the pregame is at the dugout. It is oh, it's the dugout, baby. We're back. It in is action. open. It is open. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I see. There's this still was... five days to go, so something could happen. <laughs> it would be highly, it would be highly unlikely that they would, uh, you know, go back and 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 try to inspect that place again. So, you know, look, they they fixed what they had to do. Who cares what it was? Don't eat there. I mean, bottom line, don't eat there. I would never eat there. You get no. beers, we drink, we hang out. It's fun, and uh, and and that's the that's the name of the game. So yeah, we'll be back at the dugout can't stop us stick to bottles and cans at the dugout make sure there's a cap (laughs) (laughs) it's a great place i love it dude let's be honest that entire freaking street and block and area is is uh you know the sanitation the sanitation probably not the highest right yeah i mean that's the bronx what do you expect it's not all i'm not i'm not putting my fat big fat label on the bronx i'm talking about the bars for for yankee stadium really it's it especially you get a lot of people a lot of foot traffic in there in the summer it's hot it's sweaty it was yeah. really hot in new york city this weekend yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah you know things happen S- smells like a frat basement yeah we're good <laughs> all right we're going to talk about the the toronto series and things coming up but if you guys are looking for tickets to a, a baseball game another sporting event football season's right around the corner believe it or not i got to start thinking about fantasy football um, if you're I just at- did. I just did my lottery. I just played golf with my buddies, and we picked our lottery as we do every year. Number two pick in the draft. I'm ready for it. Oh, so you pick your lottery when you go out on the golf course? Yeah, we do it. We do a lottery like thing. A little uh, hat. We do a hat. We have the the, the waitress usually do, do the uh, picking, so there's no bias. Okay. And uh, we pick. So 12 man league. I'm excited for it. It's gonna be fun. Is this a keeper league? Yes, we've we've adjusted the rules a thousand times, but right. yeah, it's a keeper league of some sort. Well, if you're looking for tickets to any sort of event, SeatGeek is the way to go. Baseball season is well underway, and there's no better place to get your tickets than on SeatGeek. They pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I was just looking at this copy because they sent us new copy, and they did a really cool thing where they pulled baseball fans from all 30 teams across the country on which stadiums have the best experience from the food to the traffic they ranked it all if you want to know where your team your stadium ranks go to seekgeek.com slash stadium guides but what i will say is yankee stadium could improve a little bit uh according to these rankings 
The Yankees ranked 18th in atmosphere, 20th in food, and 24th in bathrooms. Uh, if you had to rank a baseball stadium, atmosphere, food, bathrooms, like what if you had to power rank those, what would you say personally? Oh, man. Uh, bathrooms, I have no idea. I don't, you know, I'll take a leak in a bathroom at a, at a stadium, but that's as far as I go. So I'm not really paying attention to that. It's not a big deal to me. Um, the food, you know, I don't think Yankee Stadium is, 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 the, is the best food by any, by any stretch. Um, but I, I think Safeco had some good food when I was there. That you get the a, crickets? That was a little while ago. I did not get any crickets. Um, but the, I don't even remember what I got. I just remember being delicious. And what was the last one you said? It was atmosphere, food, atmosphere. And I mean, I love the atmosphere at Yankee Stadium. I'm, 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 I will, I will go down with that one because I think the atmosphere at Yankee Stadium is terrific, Let's especially in Section 205. Atmosphere has to do with what the team is doing on the field. Atmosphere has a lot to do with that, and but they also has to do with, like with what your fan base is like and where you're sitting. Okay, sure. PNC Park got number one for atmosphere. I'm not going to say what the number one were for other, other fields, but the Pirates have not been in the playoffs for a few years, but still got the number one atmosphere. I know PNC Park is one of the favorites around the league for, for all things, yeah. but the Pirates have not been a great team for a couple years. And I think if your team's good, your team is playing competitive baseball, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. That's yeah, I guess. Opinion. It also depends on what they mean by atmosphere, whether that's like, you know. A, a fun game like are we into it and that's part of the atmosphere because the team is winning and the fans are cheering or is it that everything around me is fun and, and cool and yay and like that's my atmosphere i like that little dance you just did because <laughs> <laughs> that's not what i'm looking for um but if you guys are interested in where your local stadium ranks uh like i said go to seeky.com slash stadium guides if you are looking to get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, all you have to do is download their app, enter promo code BRONX, and again, you get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, let's, get, let's dive into uh, this series. Were you surprised they went with Herman to start the second half? No, I, I think when they saw... I, I wasn't. Uh, you know, just because I think that right now he's kind of their number one guy and he needed to get out there on the map. I think the other guys, one of the biggest reasons is because the other guys are in positions where the time doesn't really, I don't think affects them as much and they want more rest. So, um, you know, just listening to Boone and what these guys have been saying about the IL stint from Herman is that it's put him in a good place as far as where they are comfortable with in the innings, um, which is interesting, I think, because that's definitely something we're going to be watching. You know, but but the fact that he did have that that DL or IL stint and and you know set him um, a little bit further down on the amount of innings that he's projected to throw if he continued to to go throughout the season, I think it put him in a place that they were comfortable. So um, right now he was their best pitcher. Yeah, Boone was asked about it after the the Friday game, and he kind of left it open to anything that they're also open to using Herman in the bullpen and he didn't even s specify a role. He said it could be long relief. It could be high leverage situations in the bullpen. Yeah. So I, I, you know, after watching what happened last year and like the, the whole move to the bullpen and loading up the bullpens for playoff action and things like that. And we're trying to, you know, make the game shorter uh, for individual pitchers, unless you have like that pro dominant, the guy that's going to go out there and just dominate. Unless you have like a Verlander. Unequivocal or, ace, no question yeah. about it. You know, it's a matter of getting the amount of arms on your uh, on your playoff roster that can compete and can um, come in at different situations. I don't think it matters as much anymore if they're a starter, a reliever, or whatever their role is. I think if they can throw effective innings, that they have a place. 
And at that point, you're going to be taking that guy if it's a a starting pitcher to go into the middle innings. If he wasn't going to be, if like he could, like say Jay Happ, if Jay Happ ends this well, and we have now uh, four to five pitchers that are going well, and not all of them are going to get a start. Like the other guy's going to get a a a playoff roster spot because he can come in and, and throw in different situations. I don't think it matters, you know, where you pitch in the regular season anymore. After watching what Boston did last year, I think that a lot of people are going to look at that and say, hey. Why, why, why can't we do that, too, if we have these guys that are pitching well, um, whether they're starters or relievers? It doesn't matter. That's a good teaser for one of our mailbag questions that we got asking about specifically bullpen versus starting pitching in, in the playoffs. But let's focus on Herman for now, who, again, was great. Second start back from the IL. He has not walked a batter since returning from the IL. We yep. talked about at the midseason awards how Herman has lowered his walk rate by over a full walk per nine innings. Yep. He only gave up three hits. There, there's been some starts where he's got given up a few more hits than that. But right. you're not walking anybody. He's not beating himself. No, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a it's a hugely it's a very good sign. And I think, I, I think um, what we talked about last time, I really do believe this is that, you know, the two the two comparisons I said uh, I think last time were CC and Herman, where you are uh, with CC part of his game is to live on the edges of the plate and, and to be around there. So he's going to walk more guys at this point with the way that he attacks guys because he can't go over the heart of the plate. Whereas Herman needs to limit that because if he because his stuff is so good, because he's got such good swing and miss stuff, he should be over the plate. He should be around the plate and, and challenging people because his stuff is that good. If he's giving them extra pitches to spit on and, and you know try to identify you know, a certain pitch that's over the zone, then you're putting the batter at a much higher advantage. Whereas with Herman throwing strikes, he's better than the pitch than the batters. And when his curveball was as filthy as it was Friday yeah. night, 13 swings and misses. It's nasty. Nasty. And it um, sets everything up. When you're around the zone, they're expecting strikes. So they got to swing the bat. Yeah. And I think when I asked you, are you surprised Herman got the start to begin the second half? I was saying that because I know they're trying to limit his innings Despite what Boone or Cashman says, it, it, it's a factor in Herman's second half. So I thought maybe they would push him towards the end of the rotation to start the second half. But, but I don't think it really matters. It like, doesn't matter a huge yeah. amount. No. I just thought they would take every opportunity they could get to limit his innings. But the rest, the IL rest and the rest in between the All-Star break clearly has made him sharp. Well, yeah, and, and you know, he, he said that even before his last couple struggles, before he went on the IL, that he was dealing with that nagging injury and just didn't really say much about it. So, you know, this was an opportunity for him to heal up. It was like a, it was a real uh, effective IL visit, not like the Voight where there was just a convenient thing for them to put him on. This one was something that the guy needed some some rest and it wasn't a bad injury. It was just something that maybe he tweaked or, you know, was um, was swollen or inflamed or whatever it was that just needed some some time off to uh, to heal and get back to normal. So obviously he's feeling much better. He looks great. Mechanics are awesome. Uh, confidence wise, like dude saying positive things on Instagram, being talking about being consistent, like throwing out all these like inspirational quotes and shit. Like, I love it. I think he's really embracing this, this, um, this newfound, you know, success that he's been working his ass off for it. And he's finally gotten to that point, the maturity in his career where he's found the consistent mechanics and he's able to, to duplicate that and replicate it. He's confident. I was listening yeah. to the, uh, the Ruko 
and Susan broadcast when Ruka was filling in with, for John Sterling. And, and Susan said Herman's biggest difference, if you ask Herman, it's confidence. He has the confidence he can go out there and do it this year. Do you think it would be a mistake if we reach September and they they pull Herman from the rotation or shut him down for the season? Do you think that would be a mistake for the 2019 Yankees? Yes. Absolutely, I think it would Do you be think they will do it or do you think... No, because it's not like Herman has been the most durable guy anyway. So well, Herman's he had really, injury he There's no put. guarantee that you shut him down this year because they have a number in mind. Their training staff has a number in mind for percentage increase on innings. Are they going to have? You're saying there's no, there's no. You're saying there's no guarantee that if you were to shut him down, that he wouldn't get injured. Yeah. Look at, look, I, at, look at Strasburg in the Nationals. They shut him down a few years ago when they were one of the best teams in the league. And this dude is injured every freaking five starts. Yeah, so I, I really I think that it's it's just too much, way too much babying for these guys. I, I think when they, they think about it too damn much and they try to shut him down on an arbitrary number that their doctors came up with or their staff came up with, do I think it's a real number? No, I think it's just something that they, they look at the data and they try to, you know, they look at how many this guy's thrown. And, and, and like you said, like a... Um, uh, you know, an, an, an increaser percentage or it's whatever per, the, the, it's, the formula it's, it's, is. It's a formula that says that every pitcher should have be on this track for X amount, increasing yeah. innings. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I think if he's fine and he's, tr- and he's showing that he's healthy and he's uh, pitching well, you should keep him pitching. Because, you know, there's a wrinkle in all of this where, okay, there's a certain stress if you're a starting pitcher because you're pitching every five or six days. Then there's a different kind of stress if they were to move him to the bullpen and he's warming up multiple times or if he's pitching in long relief versus short relief. Like This is all different kinds of stress. It's not just number of pitches thrown in a game. Right. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily... Can we can we talk about B whips again? I feel like we haven't talked B-Wips. about B whips. We haven't talked about B whips in a while. Patance has been on the IL, so this is Girardi. was the B whip. Was I feel the like B whip? Girardi case. was more into the B whips than, than yeah. Boone has been into the B whips. For those that don't don't understand what the hell we're talking about right now, we did. You know, we got. We've been talking about these advanced metrics, and uh, we came up with our own. We think it's pretty damn good. I don't know why the community hasn't embraced it yet. They should. They really should. Over the these, community, I should over have brought these, it up to Dan Zimborski. You year. should have over I these. Whole, we haven't we've, said it in a I've, while. I've. I've. Uh, we've definitely brought it up to Petrello before, and he's. I think he's been on. He, he kind of liked it. I don't know if he wanted to admit it, but. Um, Anyway, the the whole point is is factoring in the amount of warm up pitches to in the a bullpen. pitchers bullpen warm up pitches B whips for looking at the longevity of a guy. Why not? Up Why from, do those not count? This came up when we were talking about back in like 2016, 2017, Dylan Batances fading in the second half of the season. Why does he fade in September? It's because every time the camera panned to the to the bullpen, <laughs> he was throwing warm up pitches. Do you know that if we had a B whip statistic right now on James Paxton? That we could maybe figure yeah. out why he's struggling in the first inning. Not enough B whips. Not enough. Get this man some more B whips. Maybe he doesn't take his B whips seriously. That's a that's a factor. Can we we need to record the B whips? We need to have a an algorithm on how strenuous the B whips are. There's a there's a lot of things we could do here, and and I, and I think it's a lot more of a of a you know a consistent a constant than relying on framing and and you know Joe West or. You know, these other guys who don't know what a strike is. So I don't think like fan graphs or baseball reference or any of these kind of sites track bullpen warmups, but I guarantee you the bullpen coaches are tracking bullpen warmup pitches. They got the little they got the little the clicker, clickers, man. Yeah, the, the clickers, clickers are there. I write it down in a notebook and I said, Okay, 
Tommy why Kaley, these, threw, why Tommy Kaley threw, threw 11 pitches in the game, but he also threw 25 pitches in the bullpen. Let me ask you a very dumb question, and, and maybe, it's, maybe it exists. Maybe someone's going to get rich off of this. I don't know. Cut me in if you do. Do these clickers now have Bluetooth so they can go right to an app? Oh, I guarantee. I have no clue, but I guarantee I they do. I know there's, they, they probably have them on the, maybe on their phone, too. Yeah, I don't want that. I want the thing in my hand. I want to hit the, I want to hit the clicker. You, you, and I want you, that data. What do you do with your phone? Where is it? I don't have it out in the field. I want, the, I, want the, I want to click it, and I want it to Bluetooth to my phone. I want it to store somewhere I'm, so that I'm, I don't have to remember that. If number. that's not an idea, it should be for a great just idea. the baseball community. And anything idea. else that's tracking um, any other sports that are tracking things you got to click. I like the click though. You are right. I like that. The, the click is a, is an important bar, factor. Uh, bouncers at bars clicking. Got the a number they, of patrons they that have. Come in. They have the the bullpen clickers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. How'd we get on this topic? I don't know. But if you can handle this, if you can push it, uh, send me an email. Uh, we told, we were talking about Herman and the, the different kinds of stress depending on what they do with him in the rest of the season. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. This game it was a good win to start the All Star break. Chad Green ended up closing out the game. Encarnacion finally got a big hit. I feel like we've been waiting for Encarnacion to get a big hit. Bases clearing double. Gardner had a couple hits, a triple, and a hustle double on a little squibber past <laughs> the shift. The thing I was, was most was it 55, 55 mile an hour. Yeah, so like the, exit wasn't it like the crazy? weakest exit velocity double like <laughs> stat set, cast? Yeah. yeah, setting records, baby. Um, the thing I was most impressed with in this game was Gary Sanchez's wheels. I feel like first, he ran faster in this game than first. I've ever seen him run before. He had a hustle double on a missile down the left field line, and then he scored from first on Eddie Encarnacion's uh, bases clearing double and. I think it said yes. The yes uh, metric said it was the fastest he ever ran first to second. Or excuse me, um, home to second on the double. Mm-hmm. So the, the extra few days, he's been catching a lot this year. We talked about how Romine hasn't been getting in there as much. Sanchez's legs look a little fresh right now. I like it. Yeah, he looks good. I mean, they even asked Judge about it. Judge was talking that, hey, Gary can run. Gary can run. You know how he does. No, Gary hey, can't run. Hey, hey Gary, Gary can run. run. Could you according be Gary Sanchez? Judge, could you be Gary Sanchez in a race? According to Aaron Judge. Gary can run. Could I beat Gary Sanchez in a race? Yes, I could beat Gary Sanchez in a race. It, yeah, okay. You couldn't beat A-Rod, but I, I think you could, could beat Gary Sanchez. Easily beat A-Rod. And it was first to third. Didi's, Didi's post-game tweets came back. I think this they is did. one of the biggest acquisitions the Yankees are going to make in the second half. Everyone's loving them. Retweeting all over the place. The new emojis for the different kinds of guys. The Fun love and Didi the is back, huh? Do we do we do we have any information from today? I didn't hear anything, but do we? Uh, Herman was the ant, and I don't understand the the um, I don't understand the connection. And I know Didi doesn't usually talk about the connection. Didi's been very, very strange about talking about this whole thing in the first place. So the fact that it came back was a surprise. Um, I got some conspiracy yeah. theories on why it's back, but I don't think he was just waiting for the second half. Oh no! Oh no! There's definitely people behind the scenes that are like Didi. Come, um, we haven't heard anything from you. You've been hurt. We need to get that value back up off the field. Let's pump it up. You know, you learning the piano wasn't good enough. We need to get these tweets out. He so is that a we free agent after this year, so adding to his own personal brand isn't such a bad idea. Yeah, but let me tell you what. I think there's a gun to his head. <laughs> I think. But if he doesn't really he want to it. do them, can he hire some clubhouse attendant to just log into his Twitter yeah. and tweet this shit? Oh, and that's very possible. How do you know that's not happening? 
So then what's been the problem? What did, what took him so long to... He just... I think he wanted to get rid of it. I think he wanted to like put it in the past. And then he realized that uh, he's not in the in the headlines as much. He's not... People aren't talking about him as much. They're not talking about the, you know, the social media impact that he has. The amount of of impressions and engagement that he gets from those is, is probably extremely high and people love it. So the fact that people love it, he's got sponsors, he's got, uh, like you said, he's a free agent coming up. A lot of things that are, are factoring in here. So I got to believe the, the Yankees have been all over it, pushing it. So I, I think there were some, uh, some, some influences behind the scenes saying, Didi, let's, let's go, you know, let's send these, you know, you don't have to do it. If you get the little, the, the guy, the guy behind the guy to do it, nobody will know. Um, he, uh, yeah, maybe. I, I just think he, for Didi, though, he hasn't got going yet. We have not seen Didi really. He's been he's at 106 plate appearances. And the one thing that kind of jumped out to me is only three walks. It's about a 2.8% walk rate. Last year was his highest of his career, 8.4%. It was an outlier, too. 8.4% is not exactly great, but it's a lot better than 2.8%. So I don't know if it's just Didi still trying to get into a rhythm. He plowed through his rehab so if you want to take the whole aaron hicks sort of narrative where they said aaron hicks is redoing his spring training we're kind of still in a in a dd just finishing spring training kind of time frame do you have those numbers pulled up do you uh, where dd was before last year like what the what the number was because if you remember last year right in the beginning of last year he was off the charts right like he was Having his walk rate in April was was, it was astronomical, crazy. and then it yeah. came back down the rest of the year, landed at eight point four percent. But um, there was a challenge, if you remember, Boone's one of Boone's challenge to Didi was to to take mm-hmm. more pitches, to walk more, to see the strikes more, and, and to you know quote control the strike zone so that he can get those better pitches to make contact with. And that was a big reason why we all looked at that. We're like, okay, Didi is being a little bit more selective now, and pitchers now have to come come at him, and he's not chasing as many guys, as many pitches. He's he's a much better. Um, I think we were. Even, I remember looking this up. Now I'm, I'm getting flashbacks of this uh, of this episode that we did of uh, the the contact with 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 ball, with strikes. Like the, when he hits when he gets a ball to hit, he was barreling it up and hitting the ball really well. And and when you know he's chasing, obviously it makes it makes a ton of sense. But the fact is, is that you have to wait for those balls. You can't be you know going out and um, and swinging at the pitcher's pitch. I think it's a big deal for him. Twenty so twenty eighteen eight point four percent walk. Twenty seventeen four point four percent. Twenty sixteen three point two percent. Yeah, so he's uh, going back down to where he's been. Twenty fifteen first year with the Yankees five point seven percent. And then his highest was in Arizona in 2013, but it was only a short amount of games. Oh no, it was. It was. It was actually 400 plate appearances, 9.2 percent. So when we're seeing the the, uh, you know, when he's been um, looking for the pitches that he wants, it seems like he's more effective. And again, like I said, it, that it sounds like common sense. Like you're hitting, you're swinging at balls that are over the zone. Uh, or it's easier to make contact and do damage than balls that are not over the zone and you know out of the out of the areas that you're looking for. But specifically with him, he's a he's a when there's a a, a ball over the over the plate, he usually can square it up. Yeah, and if you want to complain about the lineup construction, he was hitting third today. But you also had Sanchez getting uh, getting some rest today. And the bottom of the lineup today was Gardner. Here, hold on, I, I wrote it down. Gardner. Who's having a better year than Mookie Betts? Keep going. 
Gardner, Urshela, Romine, and Talkman hitting six through nine in the lineup today. So a lot of guys were getting rest. Boone was asked about it, and he said, well, I got to manage this long stretch of games. They're playing 17 days in a row. You got to get guys rest sometime. And depending on who you ask, is it good to get guys rest, you know, rest four guys in one day? Or is it just filter it through so you don't have a, a bottom of the lineup like that? Not that Gardner and Gio are bad. They've been constants the whole year uh, for the most part in the lineup. Romine has not had a good year offensively. Talkman had a home run today, but he's not a major league player. Uh, he's so. been much better since he's been back up. But the, Couldn't um, lay down a sack bunt today. The, so one of the big things that's that I think is going to really make Boone look good, you know, or, or maybe it won't look, it won't make Boone look bad, I should say, is the fact that we have all this depth and you sprinkle out there, you know, some of the guys that are, you know, not the starters any longer or guys that have just been moving around because, you know, Gio Urshela, is he a starter with the best lineup? Probably not, but he has proved that he can be. He's proved that he's out there. Um, and can give you good at-bats, especially in big situations. So I think that now when we're talking about the subs, the guys that are coming in and filling in on these days off, you know, okay. We've, we've been no, winning with those guys too. So It's, it's not a it's complaint. Not, no, I know it's not a complaint, but I'm saying is that it's a real advantage for Boone now because, because of this depth. I mean, this is something that we talked about earlier. When all the guys were to come back, you're looking at the guys that did fill in at that point as, as now – the, the reserves are the guys that are going to you know give them breathers. And, okay, that's great because these guys did really well, and, and they've stepped up, and we, they've proved that they can you know have longer stretches of, of quality at-bats and good baseball. So it's a really good thing to go, obviously, to have in the second half moving in towards the playoffs. It's, uh, having that depth is important. You said Urshel is probably not in the, the starting lineup, if you want to call it the postseason lineup. He's not. LeMahieu's at third, and Voigt's yeah. at first, and Encarnacion is DHing. I know Encarnacion has not been good with the Yankees, but I think this is just a bad funk he's going through. He's been too good for too long yeah. to write him off. This is not – we said this, didn't we? This is not Chris Carter all over again. No, he's a better player. People have been making that comparison. It's not even close. The guy has the guy has a track record and a recent – I mean, he's literally leading the American League in home runs when he came over. Um, so, but he's a good I – mean, he's a good all-around power hitter. He walks yeah. a lot. His, his average when he came over to the Yankees, I think, was about 270. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think he's in a funk. I think he's just uh, in a in, in something that is going to go away, and he's going to go on a tear at some point very soon. Right, and and that's why if you do have your your A plus lineup in there, Gardner's probably not in there either because you're assuming Stanton's going to be healthy. Well, I mean, that's assuming everybody's healthy, but yeah, right now Gardner's in there. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and thank you for tagging me in that tweet on Friday night because he got a triple. He got to overreact. Uh, who's overreacting? We're just saying he's been terrific. Nobody's overreacting, Andrew. He's, Everybody's he's just saying he's, he's on a nice terrific. little hot streak. Nice little hot streak. He's been great all year. It's been awesome. No, he's not been great all year. But yeah, when I look at the year, he's been great. He's been out there every day. It's been terrific. I'm glad he's here. I I I ate crow on that one. I'll I'll fully admit that. I'm glad he's here. I uh, I think that Yankees fans have a problem with overreacting to recency bias. I mean, that's just social media. Okay, it's in your whatever face. You, whatever you want to call it, social media has a problem with reacting to. Uh, no, I think I think the reactions are in your face. I think it's always been a, a thing. <laughs> I think the reactions are just in your face now. So now you're seeing it all. They could have used a hit or two from Gardner on on Saturday when the lineup was shut down. He doesn't have to hit every single day. He <laughs> was he, he, did, he did playing a, he on did Saturday. A, he did a hell of a job on Friday night. The man is a the man is a uh, a fixture. He's been terrific. Uh, he was playing on on uh, on Saturday, and he got two hits. What do you know? There you go. Um, 
Yeah. You're, you're so, done talking about Gardner? I'm not. Considering he's proved you wrong every single time you've opened your mouth about it? No, he's pretty. I, I am right on Brett Gardner. He, he needs to be properly rated. I'm not going down this, uh, this road again. It's going to derail the podcast. What I want to talk about is the fact that the Yankees, um, Clayton Richard, kind of shut them down. Hap was matching him. Hap looked better. I think that's a positive takeaway from Saturday is that Hap looked better for the most part. He's your guy that you wanted to see big things from in the second half. Well, Clayton Richard, I think they got I, – I, I really thought they were going to jump on uh, what was to be the bullpen after he left with a, an apparent injury after I think it was two innings. And then, you know, that's a guy that the Yankees have struggled against and then they start bringing in more bullpen arms. And you're expecting to hit these guys, and it just wasn't happening. And it was a, it was a frustrating game because, you know, Hap does come out and and pitch well, and he did. He I think he was at 89 pitches when he got pulled, and uh, and I think the big reason, two of the reasons, but the the overwhelming reason was because the bullpen was, was fully rested. But there were two guys on, uh, and the second hit was a a squib little bullshit hit over the shortstop, um, <laughs> and yeah. Little, little, yeah. But then you have Vlad Guerrero and and Randall Grichik, who's been like the the Yankees killer, and uh, and you're looking at two right-handed bats. So he wanted to bring in his right-handed, very very rested, you know, heavy-duty bullpen, which I, it's hard to blame. But at the same time, Hap was giving him some grief going out. He did not want to leave the game. You could tell that. So I like the fight in Hap. The fact that he wanted to stay out there and finish what he had started, at least in that inning. Um, but he looked really good. He did. He looked really good. And and that's. That's that's one of those things. I, like we need him to go deep into the deeper into the games. Uh, I think he, you know, if if uh, if given a different situation, it wasn't right after the All Star break. I think he would have stayed in the game there. But um, he looked really good, and that was a positive. It um for for Hap, I know he's been a largely a second half pitcher. If you just look at his first half versus second half splits, second half have, have been better throughout his career. That's what the Yankees have to be banking on. Well, they need it for sure. I mean. Again, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I understand why it's happening. To me, it's fastball control. He's not controlling the fastball and everything else is just, it's not working because of that. And, you know, again, I've said this a hundred times, but the, the stuff is not diminished. He's still throwing the same fastball he's thrown. He still has he's still good also break. taking the same approach. Largely there's there's not a lot of change. So it's, it's all it's about locating. And if he can go out there and control his, his starts and locate it and work ahead, then he's going to have success. So it's, a, it's a, ma- a matter of him figuring out his location woes. Yeah, and I know he moved to the two-seamer a little bit in the first half of the season where he just seemed to be getting pummeled by Baltimore. He used his two-seamer a bunch against Boston. I think he used it against um, also the Twins, who have a, a lot of home run hitters in that lineup. And But we're not really seeing over the large sample. Like, he's not going to more two-seamers. And this is, this is not a new J-Hap. This is not J-Hap reinventing himself. He's still trying to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been tweaking it. You know, from start to start, I think, and that's the that's one of the things about him, and that's why I have so much confidence, I think, in him just figuring it out, is that he is that type of guy, is you know, the one of those cerebral type pitchers, if you will, that that can go out there and and make adjustments in the middle of a game, or supposedly make adjustments in a game, and that's what he's done in the past in his career, so that he can get through a, a start where you know maybe he doesn't have his best stuff, or if he's not able to locate something, he can go and, and switch it. Um, but uh, you know, maybe he's making those moves too late in a game. Maybe he's he's trying to force something that's not there and and not you know go to that secondary pitch on a given day early enough. So I, I don't know what that is, but you know what we saw 
on um, uh, this weekend from Hap was was something that you know I hope we continue to see. It's, it's Hap being around the strike zone, and uh, and you see effective an effective very effective pitcher. I mean, he was damn good last year in the second half. He also hasn't earned the right to get through games yet this year. So you say, oh, maybe if this was a different scenario and the bullpen wasn't rested, Boone wouldn't have pulled him in the sixth inning. But this that's, I think, as much about the fact that Hap has not been good this year. So Boone's not going to trust Hap to get through that sixth inning. Yeah, that's possible. Um, I, I think Boone... you got to earn that trust with your performance on the field. I understand that. But at the same time, you're looking at a veteran guy who's been doing it for years and years. And if you don't think that the manager looks into that and says and knows that he's a veteran guy... Like I do think that that's a factor, and especially Boone, he's proved that that's a factor. He's talked about that. He's shown it. He has a lot of faith in guys. I think situationally, this this past time and why he came out because of the pitch count where it was. Um, I think it was because of the rest of the bullpen. I don't think it was a bad move because you're looking at the guys Gritchick, who's killed the Yankees, and and you're looking at uh, Vlad Jr. Both guys can do damage against it when you have the bullpen there. You know, this is one of those. Uh, we were, I was talking about it with somebody on um, on Facebook in one of the one of the threads. But like having a having a pitcher go deep into a playoff start in today's game is just to me not as important or not as as uh, needed as it used to be. Because one, you can have a guy that is has fully has the ability to do that, and 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 you know maybe ten years ago he does do that. But with today's game, the amount of specialists, the amount of high leverage guys you have in that pen, and the amount of data that tells you, well, this is the the percentages of what he gets to this point. There's just so much information to to support taking him out if you have a an, uh, an opportunity to with a guy that's rested that has good numbers and all that. There's just more opportunities now for managers to make a change, I think, um, and more data that supports it than it used to be. So even if you're good, it's not like, oh, he's going well, let's just keep him going. That that logic is 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 almost out the window. I mean, I think that it does play into some places, but if you have matchups that are that are uh good on paper and it's something you've been doing all year, I think these guys are making the moves and we've seen that. Well, we saw a matchup today where it was weird because Adovino comes in and throws five pitches in Sunday afternoon's game, and then Boone goes to Canely to face lefties. And you're like, what? why is Adovino coming out after just five pitches? Is there an injury situation? But I think it was the lefty matchup. Ch- uh, the changeup from change Kane up, Lee yeah. is nasty against lefties. So he kind of has reverse splits, a righty against a lefty. And that's what we saw, whereas Adovino can get in trouble against lefties if he doesn't have his slider. Yeah, and, and again, that's the thing. Like, you see that move. If Adovino is, a, a, you know, an eighth or a seventh or eighth inning guy, a setup guy five, six years ago, you're not taking him out in that spot. He's got the inning. Like, that's his inning. But now there's so much data that's supporting, you know, making a move if you have a guy that's available that it's, you know, it's almost, it's hard for the manager, I think, at some points to stay with a guy if they have overwhelming data that says otherwise. And I think that makes it, it actually makes it, you know, some would say that it's it's easier to be a manager now because you have so much information at your fingertips. Well, it's like having a, a we'll go back to the fantasy football analogy. It's like having a bunch of number three wide receivers and like picking the right guy on that day. And sometimes there's just too many goddamn choices, and one of them could do really well, and one of them might not. Uh, and the matchups look good on this guy, but you know, one of them takes a takes a you know 80 yard touchdown to the house. So like, it, there's just so much data that you have to make a decision on that it almost drives you nuts. So I think the managers today do have a difficult time in that sense because there's just so many op- so many opportunities to make a change. And if you make the wrong one, you're you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
There's um, so much data. How did you make the wrong one? Right. And I think uh, if you're – you also – I think back to the uh, 2016 season when they had Batances, Andrew Miller, Araldis Chapman to start that year, and it was 7th, 8th, ninth, no questions yep. asked. Yep. Well, the difference between then and now is the Yankees could do that. They could say – Adovino, you have the seventh. Britain, you have the eighth. Chapman, you have the ninth. You could say Canley, you have the sixth. But there's so many other guys that you can bring in at different points in the game that you don't need to set it because you have guys to go to. In 2016, you had those three guys, and that's it. Well, I mean, the I think the other thing is is the data. The data has put has put has changed the game significantly. And, and when you're talking about the back of a game, when you're talking about the bullpens and the usage and how these guys go out there and how managers use them, I think analytics, is, is that's one of the big areas that you're seeing this, this game change because um, you don't have to go with 7th, 8th, ninth inning guys. Like we still have ninth inning guys, but it's only a matter of time, in my opinion, until they figure that way, a way out of that, to, you know, for contracts and arbitration and all that other crap. But... Once they figure that out, it doesn't matter because to me, that's really one of the only reasons. So it's not closer by committee; it's closer by nerds, closer by nerd data. I mean, no, it's it's not even. It's, yeah, it'll be it'll be based on situational uh, things that are happening in the game, and, that, guys, and that's though, what they're doing. You got to factor in the mental thing where one guy could get an out in the eighth inning, but he can't get it out in that out same out in the ninth inning. Yeah, but once it becomes more normal, then you know they're not going to get conditioned. Normalize it. Uh, I think I thought the Yankees. It was kind of a fun game to watch because they were getting a look at Stroman, who might be traded to the Yankees. I know there's a lot of rumors he might be traded somewhere. Um, He's going to he be traded somewhere. They they should be. He was. Uh, he looked pretty good. I mean, he held they held him to three runs. Uh, I, he's also not going to be facing the Yankees lineup if he's on the Yankees. But um, but like you said, it was a diminished lineup, right? That's true. <laughs> Still had Aaron Judge, DJ, DJ LeMahieu. I'm looking at I'm looking at this. You know, I mean, like obviously you can't make any decisions off of one start. You can't you can't do that. That's that would be uh, that would be foolish. That would be silly. But it's just it, he's just a guy that doesn't doesn't like he's got flashes. That's I keep going back to that that word because that's does what he, he not excite me. you? It doesn't sound like he excites you. He excites me in in flashes. You know, other times yeah, I think he he uh, is inconsistent and and hittable. And I, I just uh, with some of the guys that we're looking at possibly like when I, I told you we had this this discussion a couple a couple episodes ago about Devi Garcia. If we're talking about trading Devi Garcia for a guy like Stroman, I'm looking at it. I'm like, eh, I don't know because Garcia well, is. I, I heard somewhere or read somewhere right Brian Cashman said we're not trading Devi Garcia. I know, but that was one of the discussions we had talked about. And like, if you know a guy that's gotten major league outs and and has had uh, a semblance of a career or one that's he's put some stats on paper and then you have this kid who's got nothing on paper but you see all the potential in the world similar size guys you know it's uh i don't know there's a big hesitancy for me like i I don't think i would do it boone was talking after the game about tanaka's start and i i hadn't thought about this but it's interesting so he's he was asked why he pulled him i think after 79 pitches and he said well if you think back to his last couple weeks he had the two inning, two outs inning in London. Then he threw a hundred pitches normal game against the Rays, and then he pitched one inning in the All Star game. Right. So he's had a really weird couple of weeks. Yeah, talking about normalize, get him back on, uh, kind of ramp him back up to the to the normal that he. That's needs to what be they're trying to, to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean that makes sense. And honestly, the uh, the London series, even though it was 
a, a horrible outing for him. I mean, talk about strenuous outings. Do you want to talk about the difference in, in, uh, in the types of outings and the, the difference in the way you're throwing? Like that whole thing was probably just mad strenuous. And who knows what the B whips were like on a, on a London series. He's probably all thrown off, you know, exerting more effort than he needed to or wanted to. And it was just a, I'm sure it was tiring no matter how many innings he threw or pitches he threw. Right. Uh, it was good to get the series win. It, um, would have, like I said, would have been a damper to open up the second half. Injury updates and news. So actually some good injury updates. They got Voight back, which is great. Uh, Batances cleared to begin throwing on Monday. That's good. Severino cleared to begin throwing. Cashman said he still expects Severino to need six to seven weeks to be ready. Um, he could be a 75-pitch starter or even used out of the bullpen, which I thought was weird that they opened themselves up to that. Well, I think it just gives them more opportunities, so there's no expectation of, yeah, he's going to be a starter and that's it. I think, I think what they're doing is, is kind of what we were talking about earlier. Is if he could be an effective pitcher, no matter how many innings or when he's pitching, if he's starting the game or coming in in relief, because he's done that in the past too. I mean, if you ask John and Susan, they wanted, they wanted him to be in the uh, bullpen forever. They loved it. Like Yankees were ridiculous for thinking about putting, taking him out of the bullpen. But I, I don't think they... Not, I'm not going to say they don't care, but I don't think it matters as much anymore just because there's going to well, be opportunities if the question to use is, If the question is Severino, no Severino or Severino in the bullpen, oh, God, that's yeah. what you're deciding between. Well, I think it's just a matter of where he is at that point, right? Like you're going to – it's not even so much like no Severino or Severino in the bullpen. It's just where is he going to be? If he's healthy, he's going to be there one way or another. It's just a matter of if he's starting the game or coming in at some point. And I think they, I think if they get to that point into the, into the, and he's healthy going into the playoffs, like I think he would, I, I could definitely see him starting games. Mabin is uh, said he wants to begin a rehab assignment in seven to ten days. He's very eager to get back. He wants to get back so badly. Meanwhile, Stanton, still in the rehab phase, not ready to resume baseball activities. My question to you: Rank the injuries in importance to the Yankees. Uh, Severino is number one. And I think Batances is number two. And then and the Stanton. rest and then Stanton. And the rest. I just think offense is not a problem right now. And yeah. the Yankees are, are chock full of it. And yeah, Stanton's a good player. Certain some would say he's a great player. He's a former MVP. But the way that the Yankees are winning games and the way that they're losing games is more about the pitching than it is the offense. And to me, when you have a guy like Severino who at his peak is the best, if not one of the top three in baseball, and then Batances, who is arguably the best reliever in baseball, pound for pound, when he's at his peak, that's a huge impact on that game, on you're that side of the ball. You ready for the narrative of whoever the Yankees acquire at the trade deadline? To They'll say, well, the Yankees acquired, let's say, Marcus Stroman, but they also acquired Dylan Batances for the bullpen and Luis Severino for the, for the rotation. Yeah, that's, I mean, I've already started hearing that. Yeah, we, we, I think we've mentioned it. It's going to be a thing. I hope it's a thing. I really do hope it's a thing. Because if that's a thing, that means they're coming back and they're going to be pitching for the Yankees. And that's where we need them. Because I don't care what they write in the papers risky. about it. I think that's risky to assume you're going to get both of those guys back to full, full health this season. Six to seven weeks for Severino puts us in basically September. Yeah, no, I, I think that you can't depend on it. There's no doubt you cannot depend on that. But if it happens, it happens. And that's great. And Batances is probably closer, you know, depending on how these things. Again, we've, th- I have been so nervous to, like, s- to set any kind of expectation, which is why I really haven't, until after they, like, get really into their throwing 
Um, yeah, there could be another throwing back. Like Severino happen. had a setback. Like yeah. they didn't do an MRI before he went out and started throwing the baseball. Like, right. Hopefully and they that did was all their of, MRIs. When we had, uh, when I talked with Coley, when Coley was on the show a few weeks back, one of the questions I asked him that I was kind of pushing for it because I wanted to see what the feeling was in the clubhouse or, you know, with uh, some of the guys that he's talked to in the Yankees organization. But I think one of the questions, I, I forget how I worded it, but it was essentially like, is Severino one more setback from a shutdown? Because to me, it felt like at that point that he was that guy. He was that guy that they were really going to be careful with. And like, if he did set, had another setback, like it's probably donezo for him. And he had that setback. And now we're seeing six to seven weeks, which is really far out. So to well, me, that's just a lot of things that can happen in between then. Um, and there's maybe they wouldn't call it a definitive. shutdown. But if he had another setback, that would push his timeline to where it's not possible for him to come back. This year. <laughs> well, yeah. And then that's basically a shutdown. I mean, if he has, if he has another issue at this point, he's done. At, yes, for sure, because of time. Yes. So it, it essentially kind of kind of was was what I was unfortunately thinking. But um, it sounds like Batantis is is hopefully on the mend, knocking on wood. Their approach, actually, I was just thinking, I haven't heard uh, about Montgomery because I know he had a little bit of a setback after right. his first bullpen session. Right. But as they approach the trade deadline, this is different this year because there's no waiver deadline in August. Not that they are usually super active on the waiver deadline, but it's it's a factor you gotta you gotta consider. You're basically Andrew McCutcheon, th- baby. Three weeks away, that's right. Three weeks away from the July thirty first deadline. Severino, you're not gonna know much more about Severino then. You'll know a little bit more. Maybe you'll know more about Batansis. Those two guys though can drastically affect how desperate they get when trying to acquire pitching. <clears throat> yeah, see that's the thing. Like I don't think they're it, they're they're in such a weird spot now with with um with starting pitching like the amount of bodies that they have the guys that they have the um the fact that Herman's back as well and uh, you know everybody right now is pitching I, I think they do need another starting pitcher but I don't think it's a it's an I don't think they think it's a necessity anymore unless the right deal comes to play I think they just want to add more arms I think that's the biggest thing whether it's whether it's starting pitching or relief pitching I think they want to get the best quality arms that they can get and and that goes back to the beginning conversation we had about the pitching staff and and what you're looking at in a playoff situation like I I don't think it as as much of a uh, an importance anymore on whether it's a starter or a reliever but if you're getting high quality arms that's the name of the game that's the number one priority I think for Cashman like you saw the Red Sox get Andrew Kashner and Oakland get Homer Bailey this weekend. Those are those are kind of like depth rotation arms. Whereas that's not going to really move the needle for the Yankees. The Yankees don't really need that guy. They need more no. of a I was saying this with, with I don't want Andrew Kashner. I don't want Homer Bailey. Andrew Kasher's been on a little bit of a nice run. And I think what the Red Sox are thinking is they've already said now Evaldi's going to go to the bullpen and be their closer when he comes right. back. So Kasher is kind of taking the Evaldi rotation slot and Evaldi's going to try and save games for him. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think they're just trying to get to the playoffs. That's the biggest thing. They're, they're trying to get to the playoffs and then they'll figure it out once they get there. But um, And I think it's very possible they can get there. I think there's, there's definitely a path for them to get to the playoffs. But... Andrew Kasher doesn't scare me. Homer Bailey definitely doesn't scare me. So, you know. I said this to Dan. I was like, as I was thinking it in my head, I was like, it doesn't make sense, but it's true. The Yankees rotation both needs help and is crowded. Yeah, that was kind of how we started the season, though, too. It was, it, and, and that's kind of what happened last year when, when they had, you know, they were looking at making some of these moves. They're like, well, there's five starters right now. Like, what? 
what are you going to do? You're going to go to a six-man rotation when you have guys like this on contract? It's not an easy spot. That's why I think right now getting as many high-quality arms is the name of the game. Yeah. So we have a bunch of mailbag questions about the trade deadline. Before that, I want to tell you guys about Indochino. I went and got measured for my tux, Scott, this weekend. Or not oh. this weekend, less uh, on Friday. Got measured for my tux. Getting real? Get, getting it's, re- it's getting real, let me tell you. <laughs> but um, Indochino, they, uh, you go in there, you set an appointment, and they, they measure you to make sure that your suit or tux or your, your shirt, we ordered a couple shirts from them as well, uh, dress shirts, whatever it is, is going to fit you perfectly. And when you're investing a little bit of extra cash, uh, you want to know that the suit or the tux is going to look really good on you. And that's what Indochino is about. Um, really seamless experience, whether you're using the website or your booking appointment. If you want to visit one of their showrooms, they have over 40 showrooms in North America. Uh, you can set the appointment, have them make, take your measurements personally, uh, or you can go online if you already know your measurements um, and you can do it that way. If you're looking to get married, like I am, uh, <laughs> if you're looking to <laughs> get married, looking to get married, it's kind of a weird question, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of a weird, uh, weird uh, <laughs> statement. If you're looking to get married, well, if you are getting married, Indochino has tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. That's also important, getting the groomsmen set up. Because I know I've been a groomsman in a couple of weddings. You just want something. Let me click on a link and let me click rent or let me cl- uh, click buy in this case. Because you, you give seven dudes some options, shit's going to go awry. It's not going to go awry if you choose Indochino. No, no. I mean, you should, you should never give them options. uh indochino is the world's most exciting made to measure menswear company uh this week our listeners of the bronx pinstripe show can get any premium indochino suit for just 369 dollars at indochino.com when you enter code bronx at checkout that's 50 percent off the regular price of a made to measure premium suit shipping is free go to indochino.com Enter promo code BRONX and you get any premium suit for $369 plus free shipping. Even if you're not going to, if you're not going to a wedding. Or looking might, to get married. Or looking to get married. This is still a good idea. It's always a good idea to have a nice suit. Maybe you're going to be job interviewing. Maybe you have to wear it to your job. Whatever it is, go check it out. $369, that's a, that's a great deal. Get yourself a suit. Definitely. All right, mailbag questions. Christian has a couple for us. So he says, should the Yankees think about Kirby Yates? Also... If the Yankees acquire Stroman, should they think about getting Giles as well? He's been good since Gary destroyed him in Houston. So this is kind of to your point about maybe they're just looking to acquire arms. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily uh, matter where it is as long as you're bolstering the pitching staff. Kirby Yates has been having an awesome year with San Diego. I know that might be surprising because you're thinking, hey, didn't Kirby Yates suck on the Yankees in 2016? Yes, he did suck on the Yankees in 2016. 41 innings, he had a 5.23 ERA. But it doesn't suck anymore. He has 2.4 pitcher war, 110 ERA, 128 FIP, and it. 0.805 whip for the Padres. This guy was an all-star. He's closing games for them, right? Yes, he's leading the National, League's, National League in saves. Uh, Kirby Yates does not want to get traded out of that spot. <laughs> let, let me tell you that. Kirby Yates wants to stay as the closer very badly uh, for, for what arbitration, he's doing in Last year of arbitration in 2020. Yes, thinking about what Dell and Patances had to go through. No he doubt wants about to it. be able to go into that arbitration hearing and say, oh, look at my save total. Yep. Give me money. Yes. So I, I don't know. That one is... Uh, it's, he has no choice, though. No, he doesn't have a choice. 
but this is interesting. Uh, sorry, this is an interesting tweet from Buster Only. I saw Padres have placed a very high price tag on Kirby Yates, according to other teams. And recent history of GM AJ Preller is that he does not deviate in trade conversations. He is not a bluffer. Unless some team steps up to the to match the big ask, Yates will be in San Diego. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like Chase Headley. Um, so. Kirby Yates is a guy that you're not going to give a lot of money for, uh, or a lot of a lot of prospect for, in my opinion. Like I just Might don't require it. Well, I'm saying that's why you don't. That's why he's going to stay in San Diego. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I just don't think I can't see the Yankees going after Kirby Yates and, and you know throwing a bucket at them like they want. So to me, probably not as much in the conversation. Ken Giles, I think, is interesting to the to the fact that there's a storyline behind it as well, um, but. You know, also having a very good year. I mean, so Ken Giles. The thing about Ken Giles, is when he was with Houston, you know, he had struggles, and a lot of that was command related. He couldn't throw strikes, couldn't come in and and lock down. But when he might have been mental as well, there was definitely a lot of mental issues going on there. I think maybe he's in. Maybe he's been. You're not in all there if you walk off the mine and punch yourself in the face. The fact that he's now a walking meme, he knows that he is trying to to get that. And but he was a very big piece of a trade that went to Houston from Philadelphia as going to he was going to be their closer of the future. So I you know there's been a lot of um, there's a lot of talent with Ken Giles. I think that's interesting. The you know the fact that he has turned it around has been very good. You know I don't really give a shit about all the other stuff. Like if he's a good pitcher and can come over. Uh, I don't really hate Ken Giles. It's just that I think it's funny that he punched himself in the face and that Gary Sanchez made him do it. So I maybe this maybe this could be a great New York New York City comeback story. Do you think Batanzas' status has any bearing on the bullpen and what they do with the bullpen at the deadline? Again, I don't. I, I, so I just don't think it. I don't think they're looking in specifics. I think they're looking for the deal at the deal that's right for them. Whether it's a starter, I think they would ultimately prefer a starter. But if the bullpen arms shows up and, and it's uh, the right deal for Cashman and he likes it and, and it's better than the rest, or if there's multiple deals and that's one of them, I think that they wouldn't say no to a bullpen just because Batances is back. I think there's there's room. I forgot to mention this. Giles is day-to-day with nerve inflammation in his right elbow, which stems from a, ma- a massage he underwent during the All-Star break. So some masseuse got in there too deep. So- sounds suspect. <laughs> Honestly, if he had one of those hot stone massages and he, and he got it, a burn. it sounds like, you know, on the verge of being traded, let's make something up. I'm not trying to your your stock is as high as it will ever be at this point. You went to a masseuse and and uh, and, and she went a little deep. I also don't think that the Blue Jays are going to be looking to package Giles and Stroman. I think they're going to be looking to get individual hall halls of prospects for those two guys They're They seemingly are their two best trade assets at this moment. Yeah. I mean, it depending on what you're getting, but yeah, they'll use that. They'll, they'll probably try to spread it out and get more bodies. What about this? This is a, a wild card I hadn't thought about. So Chapman can opt out after, after this year. He can opt out of the last two years of contract. He's due $17.2 million each of the next two years. He's had a great year. He was an all-star closer for the American League. If he finishes the year strong, could he get more on the open market, more than two years? Could he force the Yankees' hand to say, you're going to tack on a year or two on my contract if he opts out? So are the Yankees thinking, let's have a little bit of insurance here if Chapman decides to opt out? I mean, I think they have insurance in, in, in on their roster already with, with, with guys. I mean, I think if you're looking at uh, a, a potential, if Chapman were to opt out and the Yankees were not to re-sign him, 
you look squarely at Dylan Batances as a guy who could come in and do that job Why? too. He's also a free agent. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying there's a there's an opportunity to sign a guy that has been there for an actual. Wasn't that one of the that. reasons we said that Zach Britton had that weird contract where it could be two years or four years? It was Zach Britton, but that's the thing. Like, there's multiple guys there that I think could they could do this job. And Britton's been obviously one of the um, better closers in baseball at times. So I think there's different opportunities. I don't necessarily think that it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like Ken Jobs is going well now. I, in a week, I don't know what's gonna. He's he's a uh, you know one of those guys that that gets affected by different things that happen mentally. I I would be kind of surprised if Chapman opts out because look at what uh, Kimbrel just had to go through. Yeah, no, I think it, it's a it's a big headache. I wouldn't be surprised though if there was some kind of an extension, one year extension maybe something something along the lines that was kind of like a do gooder by the Yankees saying you know you've, you've and you you've know been what? really good and, and I think to, Chapman likes being in New York. Props to Chapman when we when they signed him we said. What is he going to be when his fastball is no longer 103 miles an hour? It's no longer 103 miles an hour. Right. But he's throwing more sliders than he ever has before, and it's a better slider than it's ever been before. Well, that was the big thing. When we were having that discussion and that slider was coming out you know, a little bit more often, like it was, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pitch that's good enough because you work off of 103 miles an hour, but when that velocity is not there, that slider is going to have to be improved. Because it's not going to be as much of a, a difference when you're talking about the diff- you know the um, the velocity breakdowns. It's not going to be much of a difference. So he did have to improve it, and he did. You're right. He's improved it. He's throwing it a lot more too. Um, I think if the Yankees just acquire bullpen arms at the deadline, I think there's I think there's going to be a little bit of an uproar. I mean, there's going to be an uproar no matter what. Like, that's just inevitable. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be worse. They could very well be. There's, there's, there's just things like we've seen the opener work well for the Yankees already. Uh, they still have Chad Green, who's a guy that can go in and there. And we saw Chad Green on Friday night throw two innings at the end of the game, like back in a role that we used to see Chad Green in under Girardi time and time again, where he was extremely effective. And he was effective again. I was surprised he came out for that second inning, but he did. He came out and closed it out. So um, I think now that they're getting a lot, Boone's getting more confidence in Chad Green in the sense that he can go these two innings, and maybe we see him more in the role that Girardi had pegged for him where he goes those two innings, gets some time off, and then goes back as the guy who can come back in and and shut it down for a few innings. So this next question is the one we teased earlier. It's from Sierra Burks in the Bronx Pinstripe Show, who was at the, I know she was at the um, Tampa Tampa. Invasion event. Yeah, and she was the one that I was actually having the conversation with about. Well, I guess this is why, because she asked, what's more important in the postseason, starting pitching or bullpen? I'm going to say bullpen. Your starters are on a short leash anyway. Games aren't typically lost in the third or fourth innings in October because managers do not let it go to that point. So your bullpen has to keep it at bay and give your ball club a chance. So when you, you, I agree with what you were saying that you might not even be able to identify it, bullpen arms or starting pitching arms. It's just where are the arms pitching that night? Because we've seen in the last couple of postseasons, Houston and Boston win championships by saying, hey, starters, you're now pitching out of the bullpen. Yeah. No. The Red Sox had a closer last year. They had Kimbrell. But otherwise, they used, bullpen, they used starter arms. But you're right. Houston, Houston did do that the year before that, too. McCullers came out of the, uh, out of the pen. Peacock and he's still throwing curveballs to the Yankees. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, the, these guys were these guys were effective in in uh, high leverage situations that were not starter situations. So I don't think it's uh, something that they're you know shying away from by any means. So I, you know, again, effective arms. And the reason it was a good teaser to this because this is I'm pretty sure was the actual 
thread that I was having this conversation with Sierra and, uh, about this stuff. But yeah, I, I just think Cashman is looking for quality arms, and I, I don't think he it matters as much to him as, as we all like to deem the starter and reliever. Because when the playoffs happen, you have the short series and, and you know, again, just there's just not that horse out there that you can depend on. And even if you do, is that guy going to go out there if, the, if, if you have numbers that go against it? You know, like it's it's harder to well, it's keep hard these... to piece together bullpen arms and make sure everyone is on their game every night. No, but I know. But one of, my point is, is that it's, it's, to... if you even if you go out and you get like, um, let's say Madison Bumgarner of of uh, of elder year of the the previous years where he's been that guy t- in today's game with the amount of data that exists, it's harder to keep him in for the eighth inning now than it would be then. Because well, we saw the, Verlander do it in 17. Verlander did it to the Yankees right. in 17. But my point is, is that you have to have one of those like uh, upper echelon, top dominant guys. And you have to have, you, you can't have better options in the pen. And with the Yankees, the way that their situation, the way that they're positioned with the amount of high quality, high leverage arms that are available out of that bullpen, you got to have a guy like Justin Verlander as the guy or else you very well may not even make it into the eighth inning because of what the numbers dictate and what they say and what, who's coming up. So it's just a lot of different factors, I think, today that go into um, the decisions that are made in a playoff game. Well, the Yankees went into the Which ALDS. Which makes it harder to be a manager, honestly. The Yankees went into the DS last year against Boston with a better bullpen, and we said that yeah. was going to be the difference, and it wasn't the difference because they couldn't even get to the bullpen before yeah, Severino mashed. got his got, – so Hap goes out in game one, gives up a three-run homer in, in game one. Severino forgot what time the game started and sucked, and then Sabathia, they let him go through the, the order, one too many – You know they tried to get him, stretch him into that game with a do-or-die scenario, and it's like it doesn't even matter what was at the back of the bullpen because the starters did absolutely nothing. So you it's – you can't say, oh, it's definitely bullpen or it's definitely starting pitching. Your whole entire staff has to be pitching well. You have to have a collection of guys pitching well, and you just use them wherever. Because every team is different. Uh, Wildcard 2017, when David Robertson comes in and saves the day after Luis Severino. Well, Chad Green also the saved the day, though. And Don't Chad forget Green. about Chad Green. No, yes. Yeah. So there were multiple guys that came in and threw high-leverage situations early in the game that right. normally are not a bullpen uh, situation so it, again like that's the thing like the um the opportunity the situation in a playoff game presents very differently than it does in a regular season game it's much more high leverage it's much more do or die especially if you're in a five game or a seven game or a, a one five game, game series are complete crap shoots yeah so it's it's you know you gotta have as many good arms as possible to make your odds better to to get out <laughs> that's it's just, it's just Some, today's game. And sometimes it goes and you draw it up and it works out that way. Like the the Cubs had Lester, Arietta, Hendricks, and Lackey in the 2016 playoffs and they won the World Series. And that's how they won. They drew it up with that rotation and they won. Kansas City won with a bullpen in 2015. The, the Dodgers Giants, have had Clayton Kershaw for how many years in the playoffs? So the it's Dodgers, not Literally the entire Dodgers pitching staff was basically on the NL All-Stars. But like, yeah, who knows if that's going to be good enough in the playoffs? Who knows if they're going to be good enough in the playoffs? You know, things are different. It's just different. So that's why you have to have more options to adjust to different situations. You mentioned, do you have the Bumgarner type? Well, Bumgarner, Giants had it in 14. He won the NLCS and World Series MVP. Yeah. Again, that guy doesn't happen anymore. Like, he's not there. (laughs) That's not him. So 
I don't care um, if he says he's pitching better than he ever has. Or So there's really no answer to this. There's no answer to this because a lot of the times, even if you have a guy that's going well, might get pulled because of the metrics and what they say because someone else is in the pen, fresh, ready to go, has great numbers against somebody, uh, you know, and they're, uh, they're, defensive whatever the defensive metric you want to throw out there plays well to this guy in this situation and this in this stadium and the wind and the the weather on that given day and you know what he ate for lunch and like everything goes into it there's a million different decisions now that these guys got to make and i think they're all considered uh this next question and it drives me nuts (laughs) the next question actually goes well to what we've been talking about it's from aaron gray one two four three on twitter would you rather have manage who would you rather have managing this exact team, Boone or Girardi? And I think how both of those guys manage the bullpen and utilize the advanced metrics was also a big part of why Girardi is no longer here and why Aaron Boone is here. I have no complaints about Aaron Boone. I really haven't had many complaints since he's been here. There have been obvious opportunities that I think that I that I wish he had made different decisions. But at the same time, when I'm watching what he's doing as a guy that's never had any experience and, and kind of like learning things through, if you didn't think that there was going to be a, a, a learning curve, then you're not, you're crazy. There, there was going to be one. And who's to say that it, um, you know, if Girardi was there, he wouldn't have made a bonehead decision too, because he's done it in the past as well. We've Boone seen Girardi make very, bonehead very decisions. Good. We saw Girardi make bonehead decision and get away with it in the 2017 ALDS. Yeah. So, I mean, look... I think Aaron Boone has been everything they have asked him to be and wanted him to be this year. I think that if if you're a fan complaining about Aaron Boone, you just don't like this team. You don't feel like you you just are looking for reasons is to complain. Com- is complaining or still not being 100% sold? Those are two different things. You can still question if he's going to make the right moves in the right situation in October because he didn't last year. The worst game Fine. he managed all last year was game 4 of the ALDS. I think that's fair. Until he proves that he does do it, then I think there's going to be a lot of question marks. So, so yeah, you got to go out there and you got to show it in the games that matter. And in New York with the Yankees, you got to do it in the playoff games and, and, you know, make those decisions and then have your players come through for your decisions and get, get your back because there's an element of that as well, a big element of that. But at the same time, there are so many very obvious ones that happened last year. The CC one obviously is like the one that is so glaring. You got to, you, you got to, uh, you know, I think he's learning from that. I think he's, he's got a much better rapport with the guys. I, th- I feel like he knows these guys better. Look, he's just, imp- he's just been uh, to me uh, a, a good manager this year and has, and has worked this roster and gotten the most out of it. Yeah. Than, I, I, mean, said- I don't know who could have gotten a better job than, than him at this point. I said Boone was the uh, underrated guy of the first half because no one was complaining about him, which I think if you don't complain about your manager, that means he's mostly doing a good job. If somebody's asking and somebody's pining for another manager with this team saying that they will do a better job, I don't know what you're looking at because Boone has done and gotten and squeezed as much juice out of this team as I think anybody possibly could. So there's there's really not many areas where, where there's deficiencies, I think, in this year's Aaron Boone. Like tactically, Girardi might be a better manager than Boone, but he's, he's also been doing it for decades. He's different, but he's also proved that he's not, you know, there were one of the big reasons was he wasn't getting the most out of certain players. And no, of course. that and was the reason why Boone was brought in was to to make those relationships more of a positive and, and get the most out of the players and put them in a position 
where they can succeed and feel comfortable and get to a point and whatever that means. And I'm not talking, you know, baby them or do whatever it is. It's just get to that point where you know that they can do, uh, put their best foot forward. And seems seemingly, Kerry Sanchez has done that, you know, and that was the big guy that they circled. That was one of the guys we said, oh, is um, Girardi's tough love good for Gary Sanchez? Because right. it seemed like it was. When you're just comparing 2017 to 2018, it seemed like the tough love was good for him. But Gary Sanchez has come back with a vengeance. Is, yeah, yeah. Well, 2018 is a throwaway. No, so what I'm saying is 2017, Girardi gave Sanchez the tough love. Right. He had some blocking issues. He was benched at a certain point. But the dude posted numbers. Right. 2018 was complete lost year. And then when he was in there, didn't hustle. Yeah, but again, it's a it's a throwaway year. There were just too many okay. things that were going bad for him. I don't think throwing away you're throwing away 2018 Gary Sanchez and you're throwing away the London series. Um definitely throwing away the London series. That was bullshit. <laughs> as far as the game like there's nothing that you can take anything out of that for, as far as on the field. Yeah. Last question is from at Caleb underscore chance on Twitter. If you were in charge, would you rather have Clint up right now DHing over Edwin Encarnacion? Edwin Encarnacion as a Yankee, 80 plate appearances, 42 OPS plus. We talked about this already. Just a funk. I, I mean, I love Clint Frazier uh, as, a, as a hitter. I think he's, he's going to be a very, very good major league um, hitter. I think he'll be fine in the outfield too, honestly. But I think he's going to be a very good player. Am I taking him over Edwin Encarnacion in, in the second half of the season? No, I'm not. <laughs> Encarnacion has, has shown what he's done. Like, there's a track record there. I have to look at that track record. If you're not looking at that track record and you're only looking at the small sample of games in baseball, one of the one of the 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 biggest games where you can fail and still be you know uh, called a great player, you know, then then you're not looking at the big picture because there is a very, very big sample size of Edwin Encarnacion being one of the best power hitters in baseball. So, yeah, I'm taking that guy. Yeah, and I think the fact that Frazier is still not up and Talkman's up right now says all you need to know about what they think of Clint Frazier and maybe what they plan to do with Clint Frazier. Well, I, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that there are elements of they want Clint Frazier to get every day at bats. I think that's, that's also playing into the fact because – because they do think he's a better player in the, in the long term and more of a piece, whether it's a trade piece or a piece to the team you know, later in the year if there's an injury. Because if there was a significant injury, I think it would be Frazier over Talkman. Um, but, but I think it has to do with the amount of that bat. So I think that's a, that is a big factor. And, and when you're – so Talkman's up right now. If Mabin comes back in two weeks, is Mabin just replacing Talkman? Talkman? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Unless Talkman keeps and, hitting. <laughs> well, I think they maybe give the chance to Mabin to come back and keep hitting, but that might not happen. That might not happen. It's uh, Mabin wants to get back quick. He, wants, you guys <laughs> he doesn't want to let that magic. Maybe he had some... Remember, don't forget. Do not forget about me. He's so eager to get back. I don't blame him. He it said he's a, a quick healer. He said he's always been a quick healer. I wonder how, a, that, I wonder how he got that. I wonder how he got that uh, superpower. Him and Didi, man. Uh, Didi taught him how to do it. But the... Uh, you know, I mean, look, he's been his stock is huge right now. He's he was going well. Of course, he wants to get back out there and hit. Like he was going better than he's ever been. So, and he made the team. He made the cut. He was here still when Judge and Stanton were here. I mean, kind of. It was situations too. What? I think again, Frazier not playing every day. I think there were situations. Like again, we talked about the depth chart. The depth, the depth chart. If we're looking at guys in AAA and guys in the major leagues, sure. To me, you're not getting the full picture. 
All right. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, a lot of great mailbag questions. Just a reminder, guys, we do mailbag questions every Monday episode. We also do voicemails. No voicemails on today's episode, but we want to start doing those uh, weekly. What, what's up, Scott? I was going to say that we, uh, the interns, we're, we lost yeah. two guys. We talked about this last time. Um, they're going into the real world. Dom's still doing things, but he's not doing as much with the show anymore. He's doing uh, more video stuff. Uh, so we are, we've gotten a bunch of applications. Really appreciate that. We're going to start going through them all this week and reaching out to people. Um, but that's going to be a big factor. Like those guys are going to be doing all the voicemails and getting them up. <laughs> it's been hard for us to keep up because these guys are now working for freaking ESPN who's taking our, taking our people. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be a big factor. Us. Huh? They're, they're poaching. Yeah, they're poaching. They are. In, in, if we're still doing this podcast in like 10 years, are we going to have a coaching tree? We, 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 we might. It's, it's starting to build out. <laughs> Love it. I hope right. we have a coaching tree. So we email, will... by the way, email info at Bronx Pinstripes. Um, we stopped advertising for it uh, on Friday of last week, but if you think that uh, you would be a perfect fit for us and, and you're looking for an opportunity, uh, shoot an email in with, uh, with, with your stats. Well, yeah. Send in resume. If you have samples, send that stuff in. Don't make us ask for it because a couple guys have just sent in emails yeah. saying, hey, I want to do this, and they haven't sent anything along with it yet. Yeah. Send some stuff along with it. Yeah, you got to work for a little do bit. Do yourself I, I'm a probably, favor. I'm probably not going to respond to those. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us. We will talk to you on Thursday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.